I am your host, Abby Cox, and I am also with my other co-host, Lauren. Lauren! Hello! Hi! (laughs) (laughs) And we are here to talk to you all today about our exclusive shoe called the Louis Shoe, and pick Lauren's brain about some shoe history, fashion history, um, general shenanigans and all of that. Shoes! Oh my my gosh, favorite shoes. thing. Shoes, cheese, Starbucks. That's basically it. <laughs> Alright, so for Dogs. those of you, um, so for Lauren, for those who don't understand what an exclusive is when it comes to the American Duchess shoe line and brand, um, would you be so kind as to explain where they came from, your whole thought process behind them, and why they are exclusives. Yes, why we call them exclusives. Yeah, and not common. Correct. <laughs> yeah, the opposite of exclusives. <laughs> everywhere all the time. Um, so the exclusives, uh, if you've been on our Facebook page, blog, Instagram in the last you know, week or so, you've seen these embroidered velvet shoes, and we're calling them exclusives. Uh, the name of them is Louie. And, and exclusives are a range of shoes that we do. We've been doing them a couple years now, um, rather inconsistently. Sorry, guys. <laughs> They're exquisite pieces. Mm. They're beautiful shoes that we make uh, by pre-order only. So they're only yeah. made to order. And we do a, a, a fundraising pre-order for that uh, in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. They're shoes that we couldn't normally make 200 or, or 300 of and sell yeah. in our regular shop um, mm-hmm. because they're just too fabulous. Yeah. Uh, th- that sounds really lame. But they're a lot of look. They're, they're a lot of look, right? You... There's a certain type of person that's going to mm-hmm. wear a, a blue or, or red velvet embroidered shoe. Like me. Like Abby and like Lauren and a few of our other uh, collectors. Um, Now, the difference here is that they're made to order and they are made individually by hand by the master craftsmen at our factories. So in the workshop part of this, they're not on a production line. They're not, you know, machine made. They're individually handmade Mm -hmm. for that person. Mm -hmm. It was very, very special. Um, you know, the materials are the, the best materials we can find. We go for the glitz and the glamour, so the heavy embroideries. Sometimes mm-hmm. we do sequins or Swarovski crystals or, mm-hmm. you know, just really exquisite, beautiful shoes. Now, how this sort of happens is part of it is is private, part of it's public. So the first part of that is that we take suggestions mm-hmm. from everyone on Facebook and, and Blogland about beautiful shoes that they would just love. Yeah, just what people send us all the time. Yeah, what people, oh, I'd love if you make a reproduction Mm -hmm. of these. Okay, so I'll put them in a folder, save them for the next exclusive vote. And I will also add to that, and you'll add to that, you know, Mm -hmm. shoes that are just like, oh my God, these are beautiful. (laughs) I need these. Need. Um, But when we're looking at these, we're also looking for viability Mm -hmm. in manufacturers. So do we have a last and a heel that will work for that design? Mm -hmm. Um, or is it something we can carve the heels by hand? Or can we reasonably make this? Without having to break the bank. Without having to break the bank and, and charge too much and yeah. do heel molds and all of that. And yeah. and also we want to pay homage to the original mm-hmm. shoes. So can we do a reasonable reproduction or get very close yeah. to, to the originals? Um, then we put these shoes up. Usually there's about 8 to 10 different styles from different periods in a public vote, and we ask people to choose their favorite. They do. Usually we have a clear winner, but sometimes mm-hmm. there's two that are neck and neck or toe and toe. And we do like a little fashion face-off uh, vote, and we come up with the winner. Yeah. The next 
phase of that cycle is we do a colorway vote. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a whole bunch of different colors. Again, I have to test this for viability. Mm -hmm. I'll just mock them up in Photoshop. Can I get these materials? Is this, you know, true to the period? All of that. And we'll put that up for a vote. So no rainbow shoes. No rainbow no shoes. No tie-dye shoes. Unless we're doing like 1970s reproduction. <laughs> Never! <laughs> uh, we'll have to be in business a long time for that. Uh, so I'll put the colors up. People will vote. And usually, well not usually, I, I will say always, um, since we've been doing exclusives, we have the original colorway yeah. as one of the winners. And then one or two mm -hmm. other um, colorways that to, to do. Through. So in Louis's case, the original colorway is blue with the blue heels and the silver embroidery. Mm -hmm. And then the second uh, winner was a nice jewel tone red. Yeah. Red heels, silver embroidery, mm -hmm. which is Wine. true to the period. Port, cognac color. Yes. It's very nice. It's not Friday yet, Abby. Gosh. <gasps> no wine for you. <laughs> so so that's how, how this works. Um, that's how we get these designs. Then I will do, if I can do a, uh, a physical sample mm -hmm. just to kind of work out the bugs um, mm -hmm. and that's sometimes why these things take so long is yeah. some of them are very complicated mm -hmm. but at, at the pre-order stage I want to say this is actually what yeah. you'll be getting we have a production sample yeah we have a production sample put it up for pre-order for a limited time in this case it was two weeks mm -hmm. so just for the listeners at home it the pre-order closes on May 19th so Friday so this yeah. podcast is going to go live on Wednesday the 17th. So you have two days. So you guys, you all have two days. You have two days. To order the shoes. Yes. Yes. Um, and the reason that we have to keep it kind of tight like that is is because we have to get them into production mm -hmm. yeah. you know, soon. Because it's going to take up to like 10 to 12 weeks for the technician to make these shoes for yeah. everybody. Because it's just one person. It's just one person. Yeah. Maybe with a helper. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's a supply chain thing. So it's ordering materials. The materials mm -hmm. are in a small quantity. In the case of Louis, having all of the uppers embroidered. Mm -hmm. uh, we've already done the digital files for the embroidery and all of that. So a lot of the bugs are worked out. But it's still one step at a time. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's, it's they're pre-order only. They're not shoes we're going to have in our regular line. So they are more expensive, mm -hmm. uh, but for all the reasons that I, that I just detailed. So mm -hmm. materials and that heavy embroidery and that they're handmade and that they're, they're limited. Um, mm -hmm. What I mean by limited is we usually only make about 10 to 20 of each color. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're art pieces. Yeah. And they're, they're collectors items. Mm -hmm. And, you can wear them. Obviously, they're shoes. You should yeah. wear them. I believe in using, you know, mm -hmm. interactive art pieces like well, that. There's the whole concept of what we make and as costumers and reenactors and, and seamstresses and, and dressmakers. And in this case, our shoes, it, we are making wearable art. You know, it's not, it's not wearing jeans and a t-shirt. There's a lot of craft involved. Yeah. And the very skill levels. Exactly. So. And it, it ties in with that on, on both sides. So the customer's side and our side is mm -hmm. that when you see a beautiful dress in a museum collection or a book, as a costumer, what do you do? You're like, ah, oh, yeah. I want to make that. So well, that's how I feel as a mm -hmm. footwear designer when I see yeah. shoes like that. Um, and then to wear wear the shoes with the beautiful dress that you yeah. created. Um, I mean, shoes shoes especially like these are not something that you just make for yourself. You don't just <laughs> suddenly go, I'm you know make some shoes. It takes a long time to learn this craft. Yeah. So being able to pair an exquisite pair of mm. shoes that is a facsimile of something that was actually worn at the time, 
with a gown of the same period is is like nirvana of oh, yeah. costuming, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so Louis, uh, they're they're velvet, gilt embroidered, leather heels, leather soles, white rand, tie closure. Mm. They're two hundred ninety five dollars, and they are available to order until May nineteenth, and the delivery is going to be around September ish. Okay, so for those of you listening who are going to costume college, they. Probably yeah. will not. They probably know. well. We're gonna try. Yeah. But they probably won't. Yeah, that's reality. Too quick of a turnaround. That's a very fast turnaround. It's pretty quick. Yeah. But we make every effort, and and again, we make every effort to get them done quickly. Maximum quality, beautiful pieces, one of a kind, and to keep the price for what they are to keep the price reasonable mm-hmm. because we're the manufacturer, we can mm-hmm. do that. Okay, so. We've kind of gone through how the exclusives work, so that way people listening can have a better understanding of what they are. Can you actually go into shoe designs at this point in time in history? Um, because these shoes date from around 1660, um, and and you and I have talked about it before, and there was a, lo- a, a lot going on when it comes to how shoes evolved, heels, the toe, all of that. So could you maybe go into that for me, please? Yeah, uh, so there's... <sighs> immediately when people think high heel shoes, they know anything about costume history, they think, ah, oh, Louis Fourteenth. Yeah. He invented heel shoes. <laughs> he did not invent heel shoes. No. We have heel shoes all the way back, way, way back. Um, 1580, 1590, we start to see heel shoes on aristocracy, mm-hmm. uh, nobility, and royalty. These heels were not, you know, sky high, shapely Louis heels. They were, they were more like block heels. And so, for reference, we're talking about a shoe that that is looks like Stratford mm-hmm. in in our offerings. Um, Stratford is from that time period, 1580, 1590, 1630 or so. So the, these are a heel shoe. They have about a two inch block heel. They're very ornate, uh, slashed and pinked, and they have zigzags on the edge and all of that but they were in the beginning at least in the 1590s or so they're a status symbol often they were white so Mm. you you see these portraits from the 1590s of women full-length portraits and they've got like these white shoes sticking out the bottoms Mm. Uh, they were displaying their wealth in their footwear Mm. Um, heeled shoes were difficult to make because they required carving these heels to match the lasts yeah. in a mirrored way. And we don't get the mirror lathe mm-hmm. for manufacture of heels until the 19th century. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're all handmade. It's a status symbol. Fast forward to about the 1630s, everybody's wearing heeled shoes. It's the same design for the most part, mm-hmm. but now they're black and they're brown. They still have slashing they're and, more practical and colors. They're more practical. <laughs> we have loads and loads of portraits and paintings from the 1630s of of uh, you know workshops of Dutch people wearing heel shoes, and this is both men and women, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a unisex style. Mm-hmm. Now there's a difference between a heeled shoe and a high heeled shoe. Yeah, there is. So we get to Louis the Fourteenth, right? Louis the Fourteenth. We we can maybe credit him with the birth of the the high heeled extravagant mm-hmm. high heeled shoe in Europe, but that's not where high heels came from. They came from the Persian cavalry way back Mm -hmm. who wore heeled shoes with sort of a hook of a heel Mm -hmm. uh, to ride their horses. They hooked them into the the stirrups. Oh, geez. At this time, the Persian, and we're talking way back centuries before, at this time, the Persian cavalry was the most powerful cavalry Mm -hmm. because they had stirrups versus in Europe where they weren't riding with stirrups Mm -hmm. at this point. 
and they certainly didn't have heel shoes that they were hooking into the stirrups. And, of course, with horseback riding today, we still have heels on our shoes. Yeah, right? but we put our heels down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Safety. Safety. Uh, so there's a military aspect to uh, military prowess to the heels. So when we get to Louis, Louis, as the absolute monarch, needs to display his power and virility in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. And one of those ways is through these heels. He needs to be taller than everyone else. He needs to be obviously fancier with his clothing, which is where the red heels come in later. He needs to have an element of military power, especially at this time for mm. France. So that's where this is coming from. Yeah. It's putting the image out there to the world about who he is as a leader, as a king. It's not just him as a man, but it is actually about him as a king. So yeah. it's communicating a lot of different... He's using his clothing to communicate... a a great deal of information to the world around him. He's larger than life. Mm -hmm. Now that trickles down into the court. And at this time, the court in France was kept close to Louis so he could keep an eye on everybody, right? Yeah. So we have men wearing heels to to imitate their monarch. We also have women wearing Mm -hmm. heels to imitate their monarch, (laughs) right? And in a way, this is... Heels, they kind of keep you off balance, you know? Mm -hmm which Louis wanted. We know that Louis created all of these... Rules and regulations. Right, for his courtiers to keep them in line, to Mm -hmm. keep his power over them. To literally have people argue over the fact who's going to wipe the royal bum. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the job everybody wants, apparently. Uh, I don't want that job. No, but if, you know who's who's going to dress the king <laughs> in the morning and in what order? That started with Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, yeah, it did. So when you have your courtiers in high heels, <laughs> you know they're not r- running around. <laughs> they're 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 literally a little off balance. Um, this is also where the red heels come in. Yeah, there's sort of this myth that I'm I don't quite know where this came from about blood in the streets and walking through blood and and the red heel no i don't know where this comes from and i'm not going to substantiate it the red heel thing is another way to distinguish who's in and who's out well i mean it's it's like we see this with our red shoes you your eyes immediately drawn to red it yeah. it pulls your gaze mm-hmm. instantly red so. is also an aggressive color yes Passionate. you could say military aggressive mm-hmm. Powerful mm-hmm. monarch, mm-hmm. look at my big ass red heels. Mm-hmm. I'm popular, right? Yeah. I'm the king. So Louis used this as a way to to say you're in favor mm-hmm. and you're not. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have your heels painted red, and this lasted a really long time, and it yeah. moved out of France into other. Mm-hmm. You have red heeled shoes from Sweden. You used to have them from yeah. England as well. So it becomes a thing, but it starts there. It starts with Louis. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So. So, so these shoes are attributed to a woman named Mary, Lady Mary Stanhope Gell or Gell. We asked our resident Englishman the correct pronunciation for this last name. Gell. And he said he didn't know. So G- it, G-E-L-L. So if anyone knows and you want to correct us on our pronunciation, we welcome you to do that. But we did try. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so could you... Could you maybe go through, because I know you've done a little bit of research, on who Mary Stanhope was? Yes. So the museum that holds these shoes is the Northampton Museum in England. Mm-hmm. They attribute the shoes to Lady Mary Radcliffe Stanhope Gill. That's quite a mouthful. <laughs> um, we, we did a little 
research on when we think she might have been born um, yeah. based on some portraits and her death date. Um, and we, because it's, it isn't known for sure, and we think it's around the 1590s, mm-hmm. 1590 or so. Uh, she died in 15, uh, I'm sorry, she died in 1653, which she would have been about 60, 65 years old mm-hmm. by that estimate. Um, she was a, a lady of England, originally married to um, John Stanhope, who was um, of Derbyshire. He was a sheriff. Mm-hmm. He died. And then she remarried um, his, Sir, mortal enemy. his mortal enemy, Sir John Gell. Make it juicy, guys. <laughs> right. Um, so she remarries. And, and Sir John Gell was such a, a jerk that they were only married, for, well, they were only together for about a year before they separated. So they stayed married, but they were separated. Well, yeah, because we were talking about um, Mr. Lord Baronet. Gell and how he was in the tower and he was a military. Oh, he was a, yeah, like he, he was, was a piece of place. work. He was a piece of work. Uh, he was given a baronetcy uh, to tie him to the crown during mm-hmm. the English Civil War. Um, so he wasn't a very high on the no. nobility food chain, um, but the Lady Mary Radcliffe Stanhope was marrying up. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her previous husband was only a sheriff. So, <laughs> now here's the interesting thing, is that we know that that Lady Mary Stanhope Gell died in 1653. That is known. The shoes are dated circa 1660. <laughs> Gee. And, and the museum <laughs> says they were probably worn to celebrations, the restoration yeah. of Charles II, yada, yada, yada. I don't know why the museum thinks that they are hers or that they're from the 1660s. Yeah. Um, the date for the shoes does match up with other pairs other of shoes, shoes of that, that style, especially with that mm-hmm. style of heel, which is a little bit more of a peg, mm-hmm. um, the way that they're made and all of that. But how could they be Lady Mary's if she died, mm-hmm. you know, a good seven or so years before the shoes are, are roughly dated? Um, this ties in with some interesting ideas about how shoes are attributed, especially really old shoes. Yeah. What houses they come out of. Yeah. And there's sometimes um, some myths about who owned what. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you see that because you know I talked about this, but you see that in America too, where, you know, there'll be this newspaper article that pops up and it's like dress given to family by George Washington. And you're sitting there and you're just going, but why, why that's really intimate that he's like, here, have a dress <laughs> random lady that threw a party for me. Cause that makes sense. No, maybe he would have given fabric, but, but yeah. an actual, and then it's, 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 it's just like this confusing. weird, like, it's oldie timey, so let's attribute it to something fancy. Yeah, it's family myth. A really good example of this is there's a, a lovely pair of mules that are attributed to Anne Boleyn. The only problem is that they're made in the 1650s. She good and dead. Yeah, she Anne. good and dead. So, but it's a family myth. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you have that in modern times with looking at old photographs mm-hmm. of family, you know, and somebody says, this must be my ancestor from... 1862, except she's wearing a gown from 1895. Oh, my family does that. They're like, we do it all the time. This is old lady, and they're going, yeah, this is so and so, and and she <laughs> was nope. she was like 30 something at this time. I'm like, no, well, people aged harder back. No, yeah. <laughs> she's old, yeah, and so, this outfit is not from that time period. <laughs> so I would love to. I mean, Northampton Museum gives us so little information. They don't even give us an accession number. But I would love to to have a chat with them about why. Why these shoes are yeah, attributed what, to her. Where's the provenance for this information? Yeah. Because they obviously had to have it. And it, it probably came from the family. But mm-hmm. I want to know when the shoes were accessioned into 
yeah. the museum. I exactly. think that would definitely help and start to answer some questions because, yeah. you know, if it's the late Victorian, early Edwardian period, then... But, of course, the overarching lesson here is <laughs> question everything. <laughs> Always. Um, it's just an interesting point. Um, mm-hmm. Lady Mary was an interesting lady. Mm-hmm. We don't know a lot about her. We do know when she died. Yeah. We do know when the shoes roughly were made. So yeah. does that mean the shoes can't be from the 1650s? Of course they can't be. Yeah. Um, they can be from the 1670s as well. So that it's very rough rough dating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more to be dug up there. The definitely. likelihood of her wearing them, though, to celebrate the restoration of King Charles II is... As a 65-year-old woman. <laughs> or 70-year-old woman. <laughs> Nemo likes to get down, Laura. <laughs> Nemo, Nemo had some style. <laughs> She's like, I got this. Yeah, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's a bit about Lady Mary and, and her okay. maybe not her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so... So anyone who wanted to portray Lady Mary Stanhope, unfortunately... You dead. (laughs) It's going to be a very um, artistic portrayal. (laughs) So, okay, so we we now know about the shoes, Lady Mary Stanhope, and how these beautiful shoes are probably actually not even hers. So a question that I have for you, Lauren, and you can always toss this back at me too, um... And, and when I've interviewed other people, I've liked to ask this question. I want to know how you would style yourself with the Louis shoes. What outfit Ooh. would you want to make? What time period? All the oh. juicy details. Oh, the golden question, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I love, love, love the 18th century. Um, and I'm getting more and more interested in the early stuff. Mm-hmm. So... The nice thing about the the Louis that we've created is because the heel is the shape that it is, mm-hmm. it can go further into the 18th century. It can go uh, with a bit of a stretch to the mid-18th century. Yeah, pushing um, it. You're pushing it with the deep jewel tone colors yeah. and the colored heel. So I might be interested in doing something from the, the like 1700, like a mm-hmm. mantua. Mm-hmm. But I also have a love affair with the 1660s. Mm-hmm. Uh, just beautiful. I just love the dresses. I've made a dress like that many years ago, and it, yeah. of course it was made out of like polyester <laughs> satin. Oh my god, spray painted <laughs> lace for the trim. Um, <laughs> but I I really like the 1660s, and that's yeah. when the shoes are are purported to be coming from. So I I'm sort of now imagining a beautiful brocade or from for like 1700 or or a deep duchess satin. Yeah trimmed in wine red bows or something and to to go with the shoes and to show off and to pair with the silver and, and the shoes like this is i'm getting excited now <laughs> the costume college throw out all my plans <laughs> scrap it all yeah, well what, what would you make i don't know I, it's uh, probably something 1660s too even though I don't have the look at all uh, you mean you don't look like a wet spaniel no i don't uh, actually pity <laughs> more blush <laughs> I cannot make my eyes physically big enough to do that <laughs> pull that look off I will be the ugly girl in the 17th century um, my hair will look like a wet dog's just give it like a hot second and a little bit of humidity <laughs> I got that look down um, but probably something 1660s mostly just because all I've ever really done is seven, 1700 stuff 18th century stuff even though it's earlier and that's a whole different ball of wax um, I like the idea of expanding my sewing and dressmaking horizons into other time periods. 
um, and experimenting with with 17th century. I also kind of had this weird like crush on Charles II. Little kind of creepy thing that <laughs> better he than is. having a crush on Cromwell. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy stone cold naps <laughs> and no Christmas. <laughs> it's like I want to go snuggle with a log. Oh, Cromwell. Cool. <laughs> um, so I also like King Charles Spaniels, but that's a whole different thing too. Uh, but I think probably set something 1660s or so. Yeah. yeah. They could be fabulous. And I'd probably go for the, the red shoes because I'm me. Yeah, red shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I Cognac mean, you could, shoes. you could pair this these shoes with so many things. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them with a mantle, though, and someone who maybe would embroider their stomacher to match oh, the shoes. yeah. That would be awesome. Kind of like the... Um, the Mantua and Lacma. Oh, yeah. You could also do um, one of the... You see the, the stomachers that they, they pinned on? Yeah. That they're just the filigree yeah. silver lace um, on a robe decor. That would look, yeah. be just amazing. Yeah. But yeah, you could wear them with a sack. You could... I mean, any number of things. Beautiful, rich, rich embroidered shoes. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're talking, obviously, high class here. Yeah. Um, but the, the possibilities are, are endless. Yeah. Yeah, exciting. So exclusive Louis in mm. dark blue velveteen or dark red with silver mm. gilt embroidery. Um, made to order, pre-order only, and it ends May 19th. So Friday. Ends Friday. Yep. $295. Uh, one-time deal. Now, that being said, if they don't fit you, we will make you another pair. It mm-hmm. just takes a little time. You can also put them on layaway. You can put them on layaway. So. You can use coupons and codes and credits and mm-hmm. all of that if you have any of those things. Mm-hmm. So we, we want you to have a beautiful pair of these shoes. Yes. We want to make these shoes, lots of these shoes. So um, I'm excited to get my hands on mine. Yeah. <laughs> I might just wear mine just yeah. because. Long so AmericanDuchess.com. Yeah. yeah. So thank you all for listening and joining us today. And um, if you have any questions, you can always shoot us an email at info at AmericanDuchess.com. If you want to order the Louis exclusive shoes, you can go to, like Lauren said, uh, www.AmericanDuchess.com. And that's Duchess, D-U-C-H-E-S-S. There is no T. And we do love the Dutch, but that's not what we are. Um, well, actually, technically I am only a little bit though, but that's, that's a genealogy issue. <laughs> that's not a business. Your spit test is coming soon. We'll see for sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, you can see pictures of, uh, different shoes and imagery of related to what Lauren and I have talked about. If you go to our blog, which is just blog.americanduchess.com. And thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.